1: is Dean Booty. Thanks for being on the show, Dean. It's an absolute pleasure and an honor. Thank you very much for inviting me. And Dean is the host of the Hacking Self-Storage Podcast. He owns two self-storage facilities and documents the journey on his podcast, sharing all the financial information as well as interviewing the world's best self-storage operators. He is probably the most passionate guy in the world about self-storage. Dean, appreciate your time and being on the show and just talking to you a little bit ahead of the show before that we started recording. I'm interested in your podcast. I think it's neat just how you're very transparent and sharing all those details that so many people want to know, especially as they're getting started in this business. Give us a little more background, though. And share with the listeners maybe where you're located, what your market is like like cuz that's going to be different information for most of our listeners.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm from England and the reason I got into the self-storage industry was I sold another company and in 2012 I went on honeymoon to America and I was I actually forgot my driving license, silly mistake, and that meant that my wife had to drive on your interstates and she was not very happy with me at all. But it allowed me to look around and all I could see was self-storage is popping up everywhere and I started googling what is self-storage and it is so popular in America, but it wasn't quite as popular England so I brought the idea back from the states and I set up my first self storage in 2012 that quickly filled up um we've opened another one that was three years after that that's filling up nicely as well and we're about to open our third one August the first which is a fully manless facility it's a new build which we're really really excited about I'm passionate about nice so are all these new builds no so the first one that we started with a Beverly 24-hour self-storage was an outdoor facility. It was purpose-built units, a lot like your drive-ups in America that are extremely popular. The second site was a 30,000 square foot building. And so we built internal rooms and I've always wanted a new build, but we've never found a location. And to be honest, uh, the funding and when the opportunity came, I jumped at it because it's next door to a Starbucks. So it's a very, very high traffic road. And yeah, extremely excited about, about that to open.
1: Nice. Well, you know, there's a few things we were discussing before the show that I think are so valuable, I'm sure in self-storage, but any asset class and almost any business for that matter. And you've become an expert in these few places that we want to cover today, many places I'm sure, but there are a few of them we want to cover today. And, you know, let's get started talking about, you know, even just some customer care issues and how you have improved that process and why that's important. And then we'll jump into some staff retention stuff and revenue management and those things that, I mean, it's just important in any business, right? But let's jump into some customer care and how you've done that. Yeah,
0: so in 2018, I was invited to Vegas for the ISS conference to do a speech on customer care. And a lot of my peers in England said, what, you're going across America to talk about customer care? Are you crazy? They're the kings and queens of customer care. But do you know what? It's something that I am so passionate about because... I feel like that it's overlooked. And my idea when we opened our self-storage was I wanted every customer past and present to be walking, talking billboards for our company. I wanted them to feel almost obligated that as soon as they heard about self-storage, as soon as that was a conversation, they felt the need and want to mention our name and my company. And so what we do is we try to go above and beyond. So I asked my, I don't like calling them staff. I asked the team to email me once a week to ask, how they've gone above and beyond the extra mile so therefore subconsciously they're looking at ways that they can actually help the customers and really just show we care i personally write some thank you cards to every single new customer and i know a lot of customers, a lot of people listening is going to say well yeah it doesn't scale But that's why it stands out, because it doesn't scale. Most people won't be doing it. And all I do is I spend maybe an hour, an hour and a half, every single month writing these thank you cards that we've got. It's a postcard now right on the back of it saying, thank you very much for being a customer. Really, really appreciate you, Mr. Smith, or whoever it may be. And I do that while I'm having a beer watching television. So I actually enjoy that. Then we, I don't know if you've heard of a video application called Bonjoro. We use Bonjoro to send video messages just to say, thank you very much for choosing us. And it's those little things that stand out. I also take my time to ring 10 customers every single month just so I can actually understand what they are seeing that I'm not. Because a lot of times we're spending actually in our business and we don't see what the customers see because you you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. And so I spend maybe just 30 minutes on the phone with them customers just asking, how can we improve? And so many people have actually mentioned that when we find out where the quotes come from. And it's showing that we genuinely care. And 25%, just over, smidgen over 25% of our quotes, actually are our movings actually come from word of mouth, which we find incredible and we're really, really proud of it as well.
1: So tell me about that last piece there a little bit. How do you, you know, reach out to them to get that feedback or how do you just schedule a call with them and just ask questions about your process or what they would consider changing or what does that look like? Because I think it's so valuable. I mean, feedback like that's hard to get sometimes as well. We've tried it on numerous occasions, done different things, and it helps us to make, you know, to improve, make better changes to our system. But how did you, you know,
0: walk us through that just a little bit more. So what happens once a month, on around about the first or second of every single month i get an email from the team saying here's a spreadsheet of all the new move-ins here's their details their address and here's their telephone number and all i do is i pick out 10 people at random and i just call them and i just say look i'm really really sorry it's dean i'm the director at storm self-storage can i just have two minutes of your time i just want to ask you a bit of advice if you don't mind and more often than not everybody can't believe that we're actually asking them how we can improve um one of the latest ones is we had a broken trolley and i had no idea we had a broken trolley and she just mentioned it. And it was great because then we just order a new trolley. It was some little insights that you can show your customer that you genuinely care about them. Somebody else mentioned a van hire, the struggle to get a van hire. And I asked them how much they would be willing to pay for van hire. And so we've now done free van hire. We have worked out how much it'll cost for us. And it's some little golden nuggets that you don't see unless you actually ask your customers. And so many people just don't ask your customers. You've got your customers right there and you can talk to them. And your customers, what their wants and needs are, are going to be similar to your future customers' wants and needs. So if you can understand your customer more, it just sets yourself up, sets your business up. Love that.
1: And I love to, you just right. I mean, you call them, you know, you say, I'm the owner. I mean, I think that's probably pretty impressive, right? To that individual, that, oh, wow, you know, this person cares enough about his business and operations that he's personally calling us. He's not even having someone else do it and allowing them to provide feedback. I love the thank you cards, too. Like you're taking the time to do that. We send a lot of those as well. And bonjour, the video messages. You know, just in case the listeners don't know, there's numerous platforms like that. I've used that one before. I also use Vineyard now, which is a similar platform as you can do through Gmail and different things, and even on your phone as well. It seems to have a great response often, right? So Dean, what about any other customer care or ways that you've stood out in customer care? Other than obviously you're getting feedback and you're, I assume you're using that to improve your systems and, you know, customer relations, all those things,
0: anything else yeah, I always think that if you have a close relationship with your customers as well, if you're even self-storage, if anybody understands self-storage, then there's always going to be a debt problem. There's always going to be people who don't pay. But the nicer you are to people, I think they feel obligated again to make sure that they make sure that they pay you on time or at least they certainly give you reasons as to why. Their payment is late, and so we've got one of the best debt procedures around. Currently, we've lost no revenue in the past twelve months for people not paying, which is fantastic. And for me, it really is when you see customers. The best thing for me is Whitney when somebody says on Facebook, "Does anybody know you sell storages in your local?" You know, where there's a Beverly Group, for example. And all of a sudden, I get pinged with you know Beverly Twenty Four, Beverly Twenty Four, Beverly Twenty Four, and that for me is amazing. And one of them was said the other day. It was just the other night when I was about to go to bed. I saw I haven't had I haven't used Beverly Twenty Four myself. But every single time somebody asks a question, Beverly 24 come up. And that, to me, just made it all worthwhile. And I know, I know it doesn't scale. And I know it takes a lot of time. But your customers deserve that. And your business deserves that. And we only have so many hours in a day. I get that. But if we just put in the processes and procedures, then it doesn't have to take all the time. Then little, little bits of time and effort go a long, long way for the customer.
1: What about them becoming the walking, talking billboards like you talked
0: about? Is there any way you encourage referrals? Yeah, so we've got a number of referral programs. So one of the ways we've, for example, if we go into a estate agent, we make sure that we give them 50 pound. We always, as well, we always go in there with sweets and chocolate. We try to bribe them as much as possible. And and just so they know our face, so we're not a stranger, so they're not recommending a complete stranger. But we also do a referral program um, for 50 pound that anybody recommends us, then we'll give you 50 pound if your name is mentioned for any moving, for any period of time. Because I know, again, you've got to know your numbers, I suppose. I know my numbers. It's 106 six pound. We pay Google every in, And I know on average, my customers are worth £1,208. And so for me, I know giving them the £50 is the customer's more than happy. We're more than happy. We save on the Google cost. And obviously, it's a win for the customer. It's a win for us. And hopefully, we can service that customer well in the future as well.
1: Nice. Well, that's incredible. When like, I mean, you know those numbers like that, it's a no-brainer. Right. I mean, there's no thought process to that. It makes complete sense. And a referral goes so much further than almost any other kind of method of getting someone in, right? We,
0: we do monthly reports on the podcast. So we let you know exactly where our quotes come from and what they convey in that. So we have over 70% of our quotes come from Google because it's an intent. You need an intent to for self storage. However, only 49% of our overall movings come from Google. So that tells me that although, yes, majority of our quotes come from there, they are a lot colder audience where if you look at something like word of mouth, it might be only 10% of our quotes come from word of mouth, but over 25% of our movings come from word of mouth because they're a lot hotter lead. What about let's move to staff retention and staff
1: is so important for that customer experience as well, right? but staff and who your staff are and that, you know, less staff turnover, the better, right? But, you know, tell us a little bit about your staff retention programs.
0: Yeah, so we've just come through a hiring process now and it is so painful, we need to go through and hire and find the right person, do all the interviews. And it's not because we lost a member of staff, it's because we're trying to expand. And so what I always try to do is I don't want the staff ever to be a stranger. I want to make sure that if I've ever got an issue, ever got a problem, they feel feeler can come to me as well because I feel as though the time that I'm investing with them is really an investment. Just the other day, um, one of the people who work with us, she had a problem with, she had a gas leak and she rang me up, she was a bit upset and said, then can I come in an hour late? Of course, you can come in an hour late. You mean the more you give, the more you get. And I just feel like it, how you treat your staff is direct correlation to what you get out of your staff as well. And so for me, one-on-one meetings is so, so critically important. I set aside half an hour for every member of staff. And by the way, it's more if for any time. But yeah, I just want to know how they are, if there's any problems, any issues that I'm not seeing. And if a staff member gives notice to me and I don't see it coming, then it's shame on me because I really should have picked up on that a long time ago. I should have known that I'm not hitting their goals for whatever reason, they're not fulfilled in the role they're, they're currently at. So, yeah, I just like to sit down with them and just talk one of them, with them having no agenda other than just to see how they are and what can we do more for them? How can we help them? Because, I've got a note down here that you have got to treat your business as depends all on your staff, because I've got a fantastic lifestyle, I suppose, where I can go out looking for other businesses. I can work on the business rather than in the business. And the only reason I can do that with me is if my staff are on top of their game all the time and I can trust them. And so when you do really find the staff that you can trust, oh, I really would walk over broken glass for them. Just Well, no, actually, I'd say that back. I definitely wouldn't walk over broken glass for them, but <laughs> I, I would do a lot for them. Yeah. are
1: there? How do they know that, you know, they can even bring things up to you like that? I know there's a lot of times employees or staff are afraid to bring things up, right? How do you create that culture where
0: they're just open to speak about whatever issues they're having, you know, within the employment? Yeah, I love that question. And for me, it's all about owning up to your mistakes and letting them see that you're not perfect. I promise you, I make more mistakes on a daily basis than they ever will. And so I don't want to ever let them or give the impression that, I'm mistake free because I am 100% not I make mistakes all the time and I never ever want to criticize someone for making a mistake as long as the effort's there that's absolutely fine but how we go about it we just surprise it's like surprise and delight try to like I know one of the staff members is a Man United fan and unfortunately I'm a Man City fan in football and local rivals and he wanted to watch the football match on Sky but unfortunately for whatever reason he didn't have Sky so I surprised him and we trained him to Sky and paid for it for two years to make sure he was okay. Another staff member broke down and she said, Dean, can I have a day off work because my car's broke down? I need to sort another car. And then, so we sourced and funded a new car for it just because it's not a mathematical decision, but you know how much that member of staff is worth to you and how much they put themselves out for you. So I don't mind doing the same. If you see them making an effort, then I want to make sure that I make an effort in that relationship as well. So it's just trying to be aware and quite often will say they're struggling with any particular thing, but if you can read between the lines, then I'm sure you can hear. And listen to what they're saying. But for me, yeah, the main thing is to always let them know that mistakes happen and I'm not perfect and I'm far from it and I'll continue to make mistakes. So if they ever make mistakes or if they've ever got a problem, I'm sure that I've done something similar in my past.
1: What's your frequency for meetings and things like that with, you know, maybe
0: one team member and, and versus, you know, say the entire team? We've actually got a small team. So I meet with my team I do half an hour call for every member of staff and that's every month and then we have a management meeting we have an hour management meeting every single week where we do have an agenda for that meeting because I'm a great believer in if you don't have an agenda then time can just get away from you and I do want to make sure I serve them properly by the night before knowing what they want to talk about because sometimes I'll be honest if you ask me a question I don't know the answer and there's no point having a meeting if I can just you know what I don't know I'll get back to you so I want to research whatever they've asked me and so we have an hourly Meeting every single week, and just to make sure that everything is going okay. And then what I like as well on a Monday morning, I like an email because we get the figures through from a previous week. I ask for three things in that email. I ask for what went right during the week, what went wrong during the week, and what surprised them during the week as well. So three different things because again, your staff will see something that you don't, and you might be focusing on just the revenue or something, but and you might take your eye off something else. And it's just always nice to listen and learn from other people who are actually. On the ground.
1: That's interesting. So weekly, you're asking them what went right, what went wrong, what surprised you for that week. Is that right?
0: Yeah. And it's always different to me. It's always different what surprised what, what surprised them might be completely different to what surprised me. And again, my positives and negatives are probably more focused on the revenue. And it's good to have that little voice. That it's just not all about the revenue, Dean. It's something else as well. So you get a more well-rounded base of knowledge of how the company is doing.
1: On that note right there, before we run out of time, I wanted to give you a moment for us to talk about the revenue management piece. And it is so important, right? But most have no handle on this. It took us a while to, you know, for me to really dial in on this personally also and create those systems. But tell us a little bit about your revenue management system and maybe,
0: you know, why people overlook these things, but why we must do it. Yeah, really quickly. Um, I went to a sales, the SSA, Self-Storage Association, put on a, a sales training day and it was all sat in this room, all business owners. And there there was, it was all asking, how full is your facility? And it was going around 65%, 75%. And I'm sat there real smug thinking, Oh, I'm hundred percent. I must be really good. And this, this was a number of years ago. And he got to me and said, how full are you? And I said, a hundred percent. And he goes, Oh, no. He said, you've got your revenue management all wrong, haven't you? I was like, what do do you mean? What do you mean? And long story short, it basically means if you're 100% full, that means you're too cheap because the supply and demand. And we had a waiting list as well. We actually actively had people waiting in that facility. Nothing has changed, only the revenue management. And what we've done is we were 100% full, taking £66,000 a year. And last year, we was 92% full, and we still took £136,000 that year. Nothing else changed apart from our revenue management. Of pricing accordingly, dynamic pricing, meaning the better the unit, then the more we charge, the more in demand, the more we charge. Um, when COVID hit, we actually lost three years worth of growth. But thankfully, because of our revenue management correctly doing the price increases every six months, we do a price increase. We correctly in charge people's insurance as well, because there's no point having a Ferrari and Insuring a mini. So we make sure that everybody, we're very, very hot on that, just not only from a revenue point of view, but for the customer's point of view as well. So we've got to make sure that we're tight on there. And when COVID hit, three years loss of growth, but we didn't see that loss in revenue because our revenue management was on points. I really do think that we've got to be careful. We've got to make sure that we correctly price our insurance and the price increases. We do. And if you are full at the minute or approaching 100% occupancy, then we've got to look at the price and see how you can improve your price, and increase your pricing.
1: Nice. Well, a few final questions, Dean. This has been really great. Great information here, how you perform your operations. I mean, customer care, staff retention, revenue management, I mean, just such important things in any business. But a few final things. How do you prepare for a downturn, Dean? You know, I'm not sure, you know, the differences between there and the U.S. I've never invested there, but I would imagine you still go through downturns just like we do, right? And so how do you prepare for a downturn?
0: everybody says that, well, people say that storage is recession-proof, but it's definitely not. It's recession-resilient, but I don't think that anything is recession-proof. I've just been having this talk with a mentor of mine, actually Dan Bradbury, and he's been saying to me over the last couple of years, he's been saying, Dean, listen, what happens when things don't go right? And so what we've done is made sure we've got a £50,000 in the bank all the time, just to make sure we cover expenses for a number of periods. And also myself, I've started diversifying as well my income. So at the minute, I call them digital real estate. So I've got some niche websites as well that bring in not massive money, but around about 30 to 40,000 pound a year. So I'm trying to diversify a little bit, but I've got to be honest, that is something where I definitely... Fell down on because I just thought storage is a gift that keeps on giving. We're in England, the su- the supply is increasing all the time, the demand is increasing faster than the supply. So I always thought that would be in good times. However, yeah, the older and wiser you get, then you start realizing that that isn't true. And so yeah, it's all about diversification for me and making sure that I've got other income streams coming in that will support my mortgage, etc. If anything, God forbid, does happen to storage. What do you
1: predict to happen in the real estate market over the next six to twelve months?
0: I'm massively bullish I'm really bullish in England what I do is I log on to Rightmove every single day um, just to see how many properties have been put on in my local area in the last 24 hours and that gives me an indication of how many not exact but a bit of an indication of how many quotes that we're going to get through and how the market is looking and we're no longer paying any stamp duty across in the UK so basically a percentage of your house sale has to go to the government over here and at the minute we're not paying any stamp duty until March the 31st and they're talking about extending that for another three months I really do think because of the COVID, because of what's happened, people have been in the home a lot longer, a lot more, and they're realizing how important the home is and house sales in this country have just gone absolutely berserk. And currently, we're predicting that 2021 is going to be a fantastic year for the self-storage industry and the property industry as well.
1: What are a couple of daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? I love this, Whitney.
0: I actually asked this question in my podcast as well. One of them is just a little bit of time for myself. <laughs> my wife goes mad at me, but I like to go for a half an hour run in the morning before I do anything. And I listen to a podcast, I listen to books, and it just, it sets me up for the day. It just give me that little space I need before I get back to my kids screaming and the wife shouting at me. I love that what about your best source for meeting new investors it is my podcast it literally is my podcast do you know what I think life's all about relationships as well and I think that we should invest in our relationships like we look at any investment because you live and die by your relationships just now I've moved into a new home and unfortunately my house sale wasn't ready to complete for my previous home and so I reached out to my relationship to my friends and to people that I knew I would spare money and it meant that my new house sale didn't fall through because I could borrow that money. And it was mid six figures. And it it was nice to know them relationships we built over time, you know, when I needed a bit of help and a bit of assistance, they was there for me. But yeah, I love going to any sort of conferences and getting people on the podcast and just talking self storage and trying to be a service to other people as well and saying, not only what you don't want to know what they can do for you, but what you can do for them. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Do you know what? It's a very easy answer to that for me. It's education. I had a restaurant four years ago and it collapsed. It was absolutely terrible. It was the worst time of my life and it was 18 months when my son had just been born as well. I was working in self-storage and I was working at the restaurant on the evenings and I thought I understood business and I realized I knew nothing. And so a habit that definitely contributes to success is learning and educating and realized, you know what? You don't know anything and I see you've got plenty of books behind you. I try to read at least two books per week and yeah, That's education and learning and finding a mentor as well, finding people who have been there where you've been, where you want to be and just learning from them.
1: Two books a week. Now that's cooking through some books. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great goal as well. I mean, I would love to do one book a week. I'm usually around two to three a month, but I'm striving to do better. And that's a great push right there, Dean. So how do you like to give back?
0: Well, obviously with COVID, I feel very, very lucky and also very, very guilty with the industry because we're very... I didn't choose this industry because of COVID. I'm just very lucky that this industry hasn't been hit by anything in regards to COVID. So I know that and appreciate there's other sectors and other industries that are as lucky as me. And so I'm one of the responders, NHS volunteers. So I get a little phone over there just in case and on silent, just in case. And so I go and collect food for people. We pay, there's two people's food. One's a cleaner who can't do any cleaning anymore. She used to work, I mean, the restaurant, we go and buy her food every single week and drop it off. And it's not the money. It's the time that I feel like I'm giving because we've got to go and actually hand deliver it. And then there's a guy who, when I had, I actually had betting shops and he used to follow me around this old guy. Well, he's not particularly old, but he's, he's a bit older than me. He's in his eighties. And he used to follow me around from betting shops where I used to work. And he's a lovely, lovely guy. His wife's got cancer and he's technically blind and they can't actually go out. They've got a shield. And so they all cleaner. So we go and take food to them every single Saturday morning. We bag it up. We go to the shop and, and get it just to make sure that they're as safe as can be in these uh, crazy times.
1: Yeah, oh, wow. No, I appreciate you sharing that, Dean, and giving back in that way. I'm grateful for your time today. I mean, you have made tons of progress in the self-storage industry and in your business, and it's obvious that you have spent a lot of time educating yourself, and I appreciate you just driving that home, too. Cannot stress that enough, even personally, just how much you need to be educating yourself every day. Those little bits every day add up, right? You know, it's not something that just happens overnight. It's consistency over a long period of time in so many ways. But just going through your customer care, your staff, staff retention, your revenue management. So important, each of those. I mean, it's incredible. Like you have focused on those things and it's, you know, it's obviously gonna help your business improve in every way and just have more growth than the norm. That's for sure. Dean, thanks again. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you.
0: Yeah, so I'm on Dean Booty on LinkedIn. My email is Dean Booty, B-W-T-Y at iCloud.com. And I have a podcast called Hacking Self Storage where I share my numbers. I, on a Monday, I share my numbers. I have interviews with leading experts on a Thursday as well. And I also, Whitney, have, I don't think I've mentioned this to you, but I also have a daily podcast as well that I do for my kids called Motivated Entrepreneurs. And I just try to just share something that I've learned every single day. So we we're 360 episodes in. Just was a year yesterday And yeah, it's just something that I spend maybe six minutes a day, just, just saying something that I've learned and something that can be helpful for my kids when they grow older. Not that they'll probably listen to me. My dad's probably think my dad's a geek or something and you know, won't listen to a word I say, but it just, it feels like I'm giving something for them in the future as well. Heaven forbid if I'm not around for whatever reason to help them along their journey. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital.